Boots is an interesting stock for me to look at over many, many years. I'm Tony Charette. I work for a firm called Pangmuir Gordon in London, and I've been covering the UK retail scene for a very long time. It's about 30 odd years. Everyone in the UK knows the pharmacy retail chain Boots. It's well-loved, has a rich legacy, but is desperate for a revamp to become relevant once again and needs hard cash to compete with online giants like Amazon or supermarket chains like Tesco that also sells medicines over the counter. Sensing an opportunity, India's wealthiest man, Mukesh Ambani, has joined forces this month with private equity giant Apollo Global Management to make a play for Boots for $6.3 billion. That's the largest check he has ever signed in his career for an acquisition. But within days, it became clear Mr. Ambani is probably hungry for more, a whole lot more. Revlon, which is in 150 countries, a 90-year-old brand synonymous with the lipsticks and nail polish has gone broker. Having said that, we now come to the exclusive part of the story, and that is of Kish Ambani's Reliance Industries considering buying out the famous Revlon company. Reliance Industries has big plans when it comes to the segment. In fact, even if you look at its uh, planned acquisition of Boots, Boots, yes, is a pharmacy, but has a very large uh, beauty and cosmetics section as well. Already, Reliance Industries, the country's largest listed company, has spent a little over $2.5 billion in the last one and a half years in nearly 20 acquisitions of strategic investments in renewable and clean energy, fashion, retail, e-commerce, to try and diversify away from fossil fuels or take on fellow Gujarati industrialists like Gautam Adani or fend off global challengers in retail like Amazon and Walmart-owned Flipkart. For a company that till recently was known as a builder of businesses, stepping up its strategy to become a prolific buyer of businesses is in equal parts interesting and inspiring. It's Thursday, 23rd of June. From the Economic Times, I'm Arijit Barman. You're listening to Reliance, the globetrotting shopper, on the morning brief. Coming up in this episode, two domain experts, one of whom also an old-time Reliance watcher who will tell us why the group's ambitions are increasingly becoming global and how it's all about cherry-picking somewhat broken yet iconic brands or accessing technologies that are fledgling today but can potentially fire up whole new frontiers across the energy value chain tomorrow. I'm Jal Irani. I, uh, at Edelweiss, cover the oil and gas sector, among several other things. And um, it's a sector that, in fact, at various houses, including global houses in the past, I've covered at a global level. Reliance um, has uh, significantly licensed technologies in uh, several sectors in the past. And then it has innovated to build it further in-house. In this case, 
there are two differences. One is that it from the grassroots itself, it is buying those technologies and will look to develop it further and utilize these technologies in-house. So it will be few steps ahead of uh, what it has been doing in the past. The second reason why Reliance is also acquiring technologies incrementally is because there is an enhanced thinking within the group that speed to market increases if you partner, if you buy out technologies rather than doing it everything in-house. They are capable of doing things, most things in-house, but this just accelerates the process speed to market, so to speak. But let's get back to Boots and Revlon for the moment. Many would argue for Reliance, thus far a disciplined buyer, these targets are outliers. Why? For starters, most of the acquisitions have happened at distressed valuations and largely have been domestic ones. Revlon fits the bill partially since it's gone belly up and declared bankruptcy in US just this month. But Boots, it has a multi-billion dollar price tag. Secondly, most of the targets were profitable or burning far less cash than their peers. Boots may well be profitable as a brand which has competitive strength in licensing, manufacturing and a good tech and physical infrastructure, but on the flip side, has no India presence and even in its core market in United Kingdom, it's lost much of its sheen after years of neglect and negligible capital investments. It's a long-established brand. Everyone knows Boots, but um, it's like a lot of other long-established brands around the world. The key question is the rate at which it adapts to the way in which retail distribution is changing and modernizing. So I think it's fair to say that Boots has been a bit behind. And and one of the big challenges for it is to adapt to the the move um, to online across the broader retail piece. Add to that regulatory complexity of UK. UK market is more complex than you might think. Um, and a lot of the Boots businesses down to NH National Health Service referrals through the pharmacies and ownership of pharmacy licenses. Um, there are, pharmacy licenses are quite valuable things and um, you tend to have to keep a physical store open to go have a pharmacy license. Uh, So, you know, you can't really just jump out of physical stores that easily and keep the whole business model going. And and Boots' business model, there's different levels of vulnerability to online within various parts of its business because it's a mixed business. It sells, it's not just pharmacy stuff, it sells cosmetics, sells premium cosmetics as well. And some of those things you know, not so the product is not available online to the same extent. But that said, you know, Boots could have made more progress in online, I feel, than it has done in the UK. And I suspect that the reason it hasn't is because it's been run more for cash um, than having the sort of appropriate level of investment in the business over the period it's been out of public ownership. Even then, it has some pluses going for it. 
I don't don't think it's lost its relevance. I mean, it, it is um, a much loved brand, and it has got a significant presence in the UK retail locations, and um, and it's got a lot of pharmacy licenses which are sort of controlled the provision of licenses. But where it would get challenging is the whole expansion plan that Reliance and Apollo has in mind, predicated upon taking the Boots brand to the high growth markets of Asia. That's India, Middle East, and even Southeast Asia. But that's easier said than done. Pharmacies or healthcare is a regulated segment in varying degrees all over the world. Plus, there are strong regional incumbents in most markets. Like we have our Apollo pharmacies, 1MG, NetMeds, and even our neighborhood mom-and-pop medical stores that also stock deodorants, cat food and moisturizers, along with medicines, don't they? It's unlikely that you would have exactly the same model exactly the same market conditions in the countries that, that uh, Boots might be put into. Boots has got a very good brand, though, and it could be they would want to use it as um, a brand name behind which to, say, develop an um, online proposition in a number of countries. That would make some sense, I think, because the, the, the problem with going in and doing it like they do it in the UK and setting up a whole bunch of physical shops, as it takes a long time to get those shops going. And I, I'm not quite sure how easy scalable it is in different countries. I don't know how, how well it would translate in, say, I don't know, Indonesia or somewhere like that, because presumably there are some pretty good um, existing brands there. Plus, branded retail seldom travels very well. There's a, a few brands that have been very successful in terms of retail distribution globally, like Hennis Moritz um, and Inditex, for example, or Uniqlo. But generally speaking, retail businesses tend to have a strength in one country and, and not really to translate very well into multiple countries. To make the whole thing work as a deal sweetener, for the current owner of Boots, that is American retailer Walgreens, Mr. Ambani and Apollo have asked the incumbent Boots management to stay on as a minority partner in the business. Walgreens board is probably thinking, A, they want to get rid of it, um, and will they destroy their own shareholder value by delaying and having a, um, a disenchanted management, which might drift away? On the other hand, they're probably thinking, well, when we started doing this, the market was a lot higher and retail stocks are much more highly valued. Um, and therefore, there may be some value to us in, in not going with this at the moment and allowing general valuations to recover. Now, valuations are generally lower because fears of recession and because long-term interest rates have, have um, gone higher. Um, because there's a sort of global inflationary cycle. How long that is going to take to resolve itself is, is a, a tricky question, obviously. On the other hand, why they may have to hold on for quite a long time to get that until the inflationary situation improves. So, yeah, I, I, in terms of 
giving the management some some piece of of, of the company that that makes a lot of sense. So um, so so Reliance and uh, Apollo boots manager walks out. Who's going to run boots? Looking back, one can say UK and US has always been the preferred destination for Reliance to shop or seek partners from. To that list, one can even add the European continent. As of late, Mr. Ambani is getting more and more daring in his global conquests. For a man who failed to land Loindel Basel in 2010, he has since then gone on to buy shale assets in US, partnered with big oil like Chevron, BP, or big tech like Facebook and Google, and a host of Wall Street moneybags for his different businesses. Bought out Hamley's, the toy store, Mandarin Oriental Hotel in New York, Stoke Park Golf Club near London, and even made a failed attempt to buy T-Mobile's Netherlands business before Boots and Revlon. Is this then a pattern that's emerging? You could make the argument that they're all sort of well-known brands. I mean, dispute that with Hamleys. I think it's well-known, but well-known and irrelevant. But um, Boots and Revlon, yeah, I agree that they're well-known brands. But they're, they're sort of different. Boots is effectively a, a distribution channel. Revlon is effectively a product brand. So it's sort of pretty much different, I would say. I suppose the other thing to say about them, if you're just comparing Boots with Revlon, is that they're both somewhat in need of a sort of revamp. So maybe that Reliance, well, I, I guess that the point is that prices reflect that that need. And so they, they may not feel that they're betting the ranch. The story changes quite dramatically when it comes to new energy bets. Here, it is all about marrying innovation to scale. Let's get Jalirani back into the conversation. To understand that more deeply, one needs to go back into history and understand sort of literally Reliance's genesis. From the very beginning, from the 80s, for example, Reliance is essentially followed the mantra that it identifies potentially very large industries and builds huge economies of scale and unparalleled horizontal vertical integration ahead of time in the process crashing cost and rapidly accelerating industry growth. This has been done with polyesters in the 80s, chemicals in the 90s, refinery in the 2000s, relatively more recently for retail and digital. And to that extent, new energy is not any different. However, there is one particular significant difference that so far Reliance has essentially done this in India. Now, new energy is new across the world and therefore costs are evolving. The technologies are evolving and because of technologies evolving are crashing on the technology front itself. So it is important that Reliance actually, unlike the past, this time around, is in the forefront of technological innovation as well. So that means buying or investing in young companies or startups from far away Norway to India to Germany, UK and US that have interesting IPs, capitalize them, 
scale them up, and reap the benefits in future in a fast-changing energy landscape. The important thing is a bulk of the manufacturing will be in India, where the these technologies will be relatively leveraged. Because especially in the new energy space, India itself has got some unique advantages. And when everyone is thinking of looking beyond China as their sole vendor for clean tech or renewable forays, the timing is just right to go shopping and bag expertise. Needless to say, the Chinese will remain dominant in not only the sort of upstream solar module manufacturing space, but they do enjoy advantages across the new energy chain as well. But India um, similarly has got significant advantages and uh, sort of uh, branded as sun and sand as the Mm -hmm. new energy advantage which India enjoys. So India is clearly sits in not only a geographical zone, but fundamentally enjoys uh, very significant advantages as well, which there is no reason why India shouldn't exploit. However, for a layman like you and me, the seven deals that Reliance has done in clean energy in the last one and a half years, four of which have actually been investments for a total consideration of $1.4 billion, it might seem that the group is attempting to experiment with different technologies to stand out, be it in solar or in sodium ion batteries, as opposed to the popular lithium ion ones. Technology evolution can be multi-pronged and not limited to just one single technology. In my opinion, it is essential that one hedges and moves forward with multiple technologies. The cost of failure of some of those multiple technologies in the bigger context of things may be insignificant because at the end of the day, these acquisitions are actually ranging from a few tens of millions of dollars to a few hundred million dollars. But the scale uh, that uh, Reliance is looking to build is uh, the stated scale so far is $10 billion and perhaps even larger uh, eventually. So then these numbers actually are uh, worth risking in terms of looking at potentially multiple technologies. And one looks at a basket of investments rather than a sort of single shot success or failure. It's most evident in sodium batteries, which Reliance is really betting big on. Lithium is effectively a rare earth material. It is only 0.002% of the earth's crust versus sodium being the sixth most abundant material in the world. So it's easily available. And of course, there's concentration risk where, again, lithium is available only in certain countries such as Australia, China, Argentina. So again, sodium is available across the world. So you would have seen that lithium prices have gone up 700% in a little more than a year. And in fact, are staying at those high levels given a combination, I mean, primarily because of demand surging. That is not the case with sodium. Besides, of course, in the Indian context especially, We have seen several issues with lithium batteries and the newspapers are filled with lithium battery vehicles catching fire. 
in the case of sodium the risk of that is less because sodium enjoys a much wider temperature range that you can subject the battery to it is also my understanding that to that extent there are other global leaders uh, such as i believe toyota who are moving uh, forward rapidly with sodium as a very viable alternative to lithium it's not just frontier technologies at the heart of this new and exciting pivot for reliance comes the engineering and construction piece here too reliance made a swift move to take out leading domestic epc player sterling and wilson from the ailing shapurji palanji group making it the fulcrum of its entire strategy the cost of setting up a solar facility in india all together where according to irina as a result of the uh, this low epc cost india's solar installation cost is in fact 8% cheaper than even china so this is firstly an indian advantage as much as a reliance advantage now from reliance's context reliance's stated goal is that just in the solar space it is going to facilitate 100 gigawatts of facility is being set up by 2030 which is one fifth of our prime minister modi's goal of having 500 gigawatts of renewable energy so the incremental facilities which will be set up would be 350 gigawatts out of which reliance is targeting 100 gigawatts so this is going to be an extremely large focus and number for reliance just in the solar epc space and then beyond that reliance has got been the advanced battery stage electrolyzer fuel cells and so on and so forth so these epc skills would would be useful across the chain for reliance industries once again reliance has got significant in-house epc ability but the speed to market this allows it gets accelerated like retail or telecom even in new energy reliance wants to be a dominant global player a big exporter recent partnerships with the abu dhabi national oil company or adnoc is a step to leverage the complementarities just like india the sun and the sand are in abundance in the middle east so don't be surprised if as the next step it teams up with even saudi aramco its old strategic ally one of the largest green hydrogen projects coming up in saudi arabia uh, is in saudi arabia and among the first ones of that scale uh, the cost competitiveness uh, i believe could be in the region of 1.2 to 1.7 dollars per kg versus roughly a current cost for green hydrogen of 3 dollars and of course the reliance chairman has stated that they will do it at 1 dollar so the point is that the, the saudi arabia is also looking to br- crash the cost of green hydrogen and they are moving ahead with the project so certainly there are synergies on on that front for companies like reliance whose bread and butter is still refining refining margins have leapfrogged to record highs from record lows thanks to the russia ukraine war but this is a long term game The new energy business will actually enable huge cost reduction even in its legacy refineries. Green hydrogen becoming the key raw material 
instead of polluting coal or expensive natural gas, which in turn will bump up valuations. Similarly, by owning consumer brands that are broken or cash-strapped for growth, bankrolling them will help build an ecosystem. Think of it as the House of Reliance brands, our very own LVMH or Moet Hennessy Louis Vuitton. Reliance's deal-making spree in the first quarter of this year alone has hit a record three-year high with 10 deals, says data from Refinitiv. But be rest assured, the shopping bags are far from full. You have been listening to Reliance, the globetrotting shopper on The Morning Brief with me, your host, Orijit Barman. Thank you, Tony and Jal, for your insights. Deeply appreciate. Producers for this episode, Surbi Modi from ET and Swati Joshi from Awaz. Sound editors, Indranil Bhattacharjee from ET and Saundarya Jayachandran from Awaz. Executive producers, yours truly and Anupriya Bahadur. The Morning Brief airs every Tuesday, Thursdays and Friday. If you like this episode, please make sure to share it on your social media. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Tune in to ET Play, our latest platform for all audio content, including The Morning Brief. All clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits mentioned in the description. Disclosure from Edelweiss Securities, incorporated in the description of this podcast as per SEBI guidelines.